When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. All right, you ready? 100%. All right, my man. God damn it. I'm so glad you're here. Guys, Ben Camone is here. My man from uh, Ben Camone Knives is here. And before we get to it, let's take care of a little bit of business. What do you say? First things first, Broadback Ironworks, makers of the 2x72 grinder. This is a dynamite grinder. I love this thing. I love it. I can't tell you. I cannot tell you enough good things about the about the Broadback Ironworks 2x72 grinder, the attachments, all the things, all the parts, all the attachments. And if you go to broadbackironworks.com, put in the promo code knife talk 10 you're going to get 10% off all the parts, attachments, and all the the plans. So definitely check out what's going on with them. And uh, I appreciate your support. Those guys are great. Customer service is awesome. In terms of customer service, another great company is Even Heat, manufacturers of the finest heat treat ovens available. Go check out your next oven at evenheat-hiln.com. I love working with these companies that I know the owners and those are small businesses that have supplied great customer services and great products. And Even Heat and Broadbeck are terrific. Uh, Even Heat's great. The family's fantastic, and they're incredibly good in terms of their equipment, in terms of their options, in terms of their customer service. It's it's the best. If you want to get a, into hardening any kind of tools or knives or anything like that, definitely get yourself an Even Heat. Next are my friends at Nordic Edge in Australia. They are the makers of Pro Tools for Knife Makers. They are, they make file guides and all sorts of parts, and they also have um, supplies and all the stuff you need to build your knives. They also have handle materials. They have steel. They also teach classes. They should You should definitely check out what's going on over there if you're in Australia at nordicedge.com.au. I love their Big Mert file guide. Um, I love their their file guides in general. I really love them. I've been using their file guide yeah, exclusively. It's It's got the screw-on carbides. It's really dynamite. So definitely check out what's going on over there. And um, I, I appreciate their support. So nordicedge.com.au. And if you're in Canada... Go to uh, Maritime Knife Supply. That's MaritimeKnifeSupply.ca. I just ordered some belts from them. Uh, I I really, you know what? I also support. I support the companies that I do business with too. It's not just I'm getting free freebies all the time. Um, I really appreciate what Lawrence Lake is doing for the knife making community, and for he's involved with the New England School of Metalwork. He's very he's a knife maker too, so he knows what you need. And if you go to maritimeknifesupply.com, get yourself a pack of ten pack of abrasive belts, you get ten percent off. 
Um, they have everything you need if you're in Australia or even if you're in the United States. Definitely check out. Everything's just as fast and it's really good. And he's constantly growing and building. And, and I appreciate his business, uh, Maritime Knife Supply. Lawrence Lake is really dynamite. Uh, I also really appreciate Sam and Jeff over at Trojan Horse Forge. They're the makers of the Stable Rail Knife Finishing Vice. I believe they have a couple left for Christmas. So definitely check out them over at um, trojanhorseforge.com. And if you put in the promo code FULLBLAST10, you're going to get 10% off your Stable Rail Knife Finishing Vice. That Things are awesome. I Like I said, I've said it once, said it 100 times. Every one of my knives goes on to the Stable Rail Knife Finishing Vice twice. For the hand sanding, the hand sanding deck is dynamite, and for carving, it turns all the way around and is really good. I definitely would suggest getting involved with the T4 Sentinel Oil and their handle press attachment that goes on to the Stable Rail Knife Finishing Vice. Uh, it's great. They have payment plans available, but I'm under the impression that they might have a couple ready to go for Santa, I'm with you. Next is my friends at Baker Forge and Tool. I just finished four uh, shop knives made out of their Tsunami pattern, copper mascus. This stuff is awesome. And uh, let me tell you, when you buy from them, they're consistent. There's never delaminations. There's never problems. And if there were, I doubt there. Ever, I haven't been using it for a while. Never have a problem. Their customer service is dynamite, too. So if you go to TrojanHorseForge.com, if you put in the promo code... Uh, if you put in the promo code full blast, you can get 10% off all your copper my, copper mask is bronze my, sand my, all their mosaic Damascus, all the different things they make. And also get yourself some of that gator piss. That's their that's their etchant. That's that you know. I don't have to keep talking about it, but that etchant is dynamite. And I've used it for their stuff. I've used it for Damascus. I've used it for I've used it with Damasteel. It is really, really, really pretty amazing stuff. So go get yourself some of that. And if you're in the EU, go to DIYEurope.eu, and they have the Gator Piss, too. So I'm with you. I'm with you. And I think um, Lawrence Lake has Gator Piss, too. I think he has some of that uh, Baker Forge, too. So Maritime Knife Supply's got you covered, too. He don't sleep. He don't sleep. He don't sleep. He got everything. Next are my friends at TotalBoat, TotalBoat.com slash Full Blast. I'm with them. They have make great stuff. Make it for boats. Make it for knives. Use it. I'm going to use it. I use it exclusively for all my handle scales, and I really appreciate it. I love it, and it's great stuff. So definitely check out TotalBoat.com slash Full Blast. Uh, I just finished a couple of Hoopla knives with the GL Hansen & Sons. That's the G Carta, which is a unique composite of natural fibers and fabrics mixed with epoxy under pressure and heat. Bofa, Ripple Cut, Tuxini by Mikey, Mahi Mahi, Radio Orb G Carta, Pheasant by Mikey, Color Ram by Mikey, Hoopla by Mikey. Uh, amazing colors. And its stuff is awesome. And basically, he's making a giant loaf, and he's cut of different colors, put together with resins and fabrics and then you cross cuts them and then you end up getting this really beautiful cross cut colorful micarta but it's not micarta it calls a g carta so definitely go over to gcarta.bigcartel.com and check out what that's all about i want to thank my friends at tormac tormac celebrating 50 years in business uh it's awesome they make the they're making now the black t8 sharpening system it's a water-cooled sharpening system go to tormac.com to check it out and it's at Tormek underscore sharpening on uh, on Instagram. I really, really, really love the Tormex, and uh, they've changed the way I make knives. My knife making is much better thanks to Tormek, and it's great. So definitely check it out, Tormek. And last but not least, 
it's Friday. This is coming out Friday the 15th. This is your shot. This is your last chance. I know I'm saying it, but I'm saying it anyway. If you go to the, the, the Center for Mental Arts, they're offering tong, a Tong pre-sale. And it's closing now on the, uh, to the, the end of the day of the, the 15th, which is today, Friday the 15th. Um, I can't say enough about what they're doing, but I'm going to read out what Pat said. If you know this place, if you know CMA and you've been taking classes here, you know about their philosophy about tongs and how important they are. Uh, Pat believes that the tongs are the backbone to all the forging processes and play a monumental part in the quality of the CMA forging classroom and educational programming. Pat's been researching the process of adding flat bit tong forging exercises to a power hammer curriculum, and during this process developed an amazing universal box jawed tong based on examples he found in his historic texts. Your support in, put in purchasing tongs from CMA directly impacts the quality of the forging classroom and the research into American industrial forging in the historical shop uh, restoration. Please visit uh, centerformiddlearts.org and pick up yourself a pair of tongs. The pre-order window is, in, is, on is now. So my last thing to say about it is if you want to get yourself a pair of dynamite tongs, whatever, or equipment in general, the tongs, now is your chance. And I'm also going to be teaching uh, tuple friction folders classes. Get on the newsletter over the Center for Metal Arts. Get involved with them. I'm not teaching friction folders anywhere else. I'm not doing it. I'm not going anywhere else. I want you to go down to the Center for Metal Arts because it's important to me, and that's where it's at. So with that said, many thanks. If you got, if you got yourself a pair of them tongs, you're in business, and you're not only getting yourself a high-quality pair of American-made tongs, but you're also supporting... Uh, one of the great schools in the country. So I'm with you. I appreciate you. And I got a nice message from Pat, and he's very thankful too. So get on board. Hurry up. Hurry up. All right, guys. My good buddy Ben Camone is here. Ben Camone, Camone Knives, one of the best knife makers on the planet. I'm sorry. You are. You're on my, you're on my list. You're on my <laughs> Mount Rushmore. It's true. And I also love talking with you because you like to fuck around. You're very serious. Your work is very serious. But you have a very, uh, shall we say, uh, subversive side, which I appreciate. Ben Camone, how the hell are you? I'm great. I mean, it's stressful. Kids are sick, partly, and and uh, it's it's kind of a stressful time before Christmas, like with everybody, I guess. But other yeah. than that, I'm I'm great. Um, is this, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. No, no. I was going to say, is this time of year stressful for you, business wise, or? Uh, that too, actually, because I have to, or I want to finish uh, one batch before Christmas, and the problem is, I'm asking for payment about um, two weeks ahead of time of finishing. Now, I'm on vacation for two weeks uh, for Christmas and New Year's. Uh, my lazy ass just goes away for two weeks. So, yeah, nice. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, but that means that I have to, you know, it's, it's hard to calculate or estimate uh, when the knives will be finished. And I have to ask for the payment two weeks in advance just so every payment comes in, actually. Because right. customers are... Um, demanding. Let's 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 say it are, like that. <laughs> are any of them like kind of hitting you up to try to get them ready for Christmas? Uh, no, 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 no. Demanding in the sense of they are not always uh, on time and and right. think, you know when a company asks me to pay for something, I've paid paid yesterday. Yeah. I've paid before they ask me. Right. Um, but that's just my crazy. Um, I don't know, <laughs> over bureaucratic no. Austrian. I, that's not. I don't think that's. I don't think that's it because I, I get. I when I, 
I hate merch. It's the no no story. I, and the reason why I hate merch is we used to be involved, with, and now a lot of people can be involved. A lot of makers can find these companies that will not only make your 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 shirts or your hats or whatever, but they'll also take the money and they'll also send them, which makes it easy because all of a sudden you don't have stuff on hand. And usually what will happen is, is they'll say, oh, don't worry, you know, we don't, we won't, we can make one at a time and you don't have to deal with anything. And basically you can give them the, give them the image and then they make it and stuff like that. I don't do that because I feel very strongly about supporting local businesses and local economy. So I have a company that's down the street from me that I can walk into, shake the guy's hand. I know Greg for a long time. And are they my favorite shirts I've ever had made? No, no. But at the same time, I appreciate them and I appreciate small business. And I like the fact that I can get them. So what I do is I'll buy a load of things. And then when I come in to pick them up, I'll give them, I'll, I'll, I'll say, I'm ready to pay. And they're always surprised because I'm the only person who's ready to pay when I show up because I yeah. don't overdo it. And I say, here, let's, let's, well, and then they'll say, oh, you're going to use your credit card. Just send me a check. I don't, we don't want, we, we know you, you, you always pay on time. Just, I'd rather have a check because I don't have to pay the credit card fees. And I'm just like, you don't want the money now? And he's like, no, 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 no. We know you're the only person who pays on time. So yeah. I don't know. It's, it, I don't think it's just you. No, no, no. It's now. I, I didn't want to imply that, but I think. I mean, it's also for me. It's a self-protection uh, thing to a to a high degree because I, you know, when I've paid, it's out of my mind and it's 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 done right. with. Whereas um, when I'm lazy and maybe get uh, you know an email or a warning, I, I have forgotten payments. I mean, that happens, right. and then it annoys you. You know, I, I get stressed out over those things. Um, and yeah, I want to avoid that. So I'm, I'm, I'm not paying on time, but even before that, I guess, <laughs> you know, we've got in, 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 in American society, we've gotten so used to waiting and not rushing to pay and, 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 and not bu budgeting ourselves and being disciplined and stuff like that. It's very common for Americans to be in debt. And I think that's almost like, and I, it's encouraged by society too. And I think that we have this, like, I, I remember uh, being in the restaurant business. I mean, they never, no one pays ever on time. And, and it's like, yeah. that's part of the, that's part of the culture of being like, you know, ah, don't worry, they can wait, you know, they can wait and everyone can wait. And I found maybe, maybe it's just because living in New York and kind of working for flea bags and kind of dealing with people is there isn't this sense of just like, you know, you pay, you do your job and then you get paid. And I, and I feel very strongly about making sure that we're doing everything we're supposed to be doing. We budget ourselves in a specific way. This is meant to be paid. We pay it. Yeah. I don't think there's a lot of people like that. I mean, you guys have a way different payment system overall because I, I know, I mean, I don't have a credit card to this day. I have one now in the sense of a prepaid card, but that's just my normal uh, bank card in a right. sense and um you know you are granted a prepaid uh credit card payment in the sense that it has to be covered on your account but i can't go in debt with that right. um well, and i remember when i was a child or even until now in austria or yeah in austria i can only speak for austria or my you know who i know um almost nobody has a credit card who doesn't uh, go on to international vacation a lot but other than that, you don't really need it in in Austria or I guess Europe. But but 
Um, and checks weren't a thing either here. Yeah. Like, I know from the movies that in America everything is paid with check and credit card. That was never a thing here. That's that's so. I mean, it's 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 a curious. Well, fact, checks I guess. now. No one's really. I mean, I'm rarely getting. I'm rarely dealing with checks. I mean, my business partner has checks. And when we started the business and we went to go open up a business account, my business partner was like, "We're not taking credit cards out. We're going to use your, all. You're going to have is a debit card." And so the debit card is linked to the bank account and everything I pay for is is directly from the, the credit card. So I'm from the debit card. So there's never any like, I'm never getting like, I'm never having the opportunity of going into any kind of credit for anything, which I'm really grateful for. It okay, just, that's then just, similar to, to our system now, I guess, but I would say. It's, it's you know, the, the business is so different and it's so, for creative people, business is really hard. And the hard part is, is that creative people just assume, especially let's say knife makers or makers in general, they find something that they're good at. Somebody says, I want to buy what you're making. Then you come to the conclusion, I could just make more of these and have my whole business based on me making these and someone buying them. But there's this giant gap, this huge chasm in between what it takes to be happy and successful and to be in business it, and to be creative. It's such a huge, and the expectations are so high and the highs are so high and the lows are like just insane, just insane. Yeah, but we wouldn't change it for anything, right? <laughs> well, but you know what? I think that we, I think that I'll speak for myself. I think that a lot of the decisions that I've made lately has not when I say lately, I'm saying the last ten years has been off the experience I've had trying to be a sculptor in when I was twenty and trying to make it happen and hoping that like I sell enough sculpture then I can make some decisions and I'm not living hand to mouth. You know, the knife making came the only reason why the knife making worked is because I fucking struggled for ten years just trying to make ends meet hustling and you know, hustling sculpture and, and, and yeah. doing all that stuff. And I, and it's the hard part is, and I've talked, I talked to, I talk to knife makers a lot, and not just on knife talk, but I get people in my DMs asking me questions, and, and it's like almost there's this sense of doom. There's this sense of doom. I'm doing everything this guy's doing. I'm doing everything I'm supposed to be doing, but I'm just, it's not working. It's just not working. I, I can't get to the next level, and the next level is just kind of like being an adult, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> but I mean, well, with that said, I mean, I get messages, we get messages on Knife Talk. I, one of the things I hate about Knife Talk is the fact that we've kind of pushed this into the business of knife making. Just because it's like, it would be so nice if we just took away the trappings of the money and we just, you know, talked about the joy of, you know, making knives or just being creative. But it's like, we've, we're stuck in this whole idea of, of, of how to make a business of it. And then people want exact answers because they're just, they're just dying to be in business or they're dying to be successful in business. Successful. That's the key. I mean, successful. for, yeah, I mean, you guys are all full-time makers. I, I'd say, or I mean, it is the fact. And so money is an essential thing about that i mean i oftentimes uh look with envy on the stories of uh, mike quesenberry uh who yeah 
Yeah, I mean, he's he's in retirement now, and he only had the knife making, or only, I mean, it's not devaluing, but um, he had the knife making as a hobby anyways, but now it seems like he's really chill about it, and um, he doesn't have the pressure. I mean, he, he lives out the knife, the kind of knife making uh, without the business end. I, so, I I guess I mean I didn't talk to him. I, I it's only my assumption. <laughs> so Mike Quisenberry is an extraordinary uh, master bladesmith in the ABS. Amazing knife maker. Just like I mean he's just a mind blowing awesome guy. Just couldn't be nicer. And he I he called me up years ago when I was he was listening. To everyone all the big guys used to listen to knife talk and then they got sick of it. I think <laughs> I don't know when the bullshit happened. I don't know what happened, but <laughs> like all the big guys used to be listening and now they're not listening. So Mike Quisenberry calls me up. Guys in Master Blades, but told he wants to talk about all this different stuff. And then he explained to me. He says the key to being a knife maker professionally is to having another job. And he says, I would never want to be a, a full-time, as they say, a full-time knife maker because I would lose the joy of it. And I'm a, he's a, he was, I just, he just retired. He was a train engineer. He, he drove trains and he had a full-time job. He loved his job. He was a, you know, I don't know if he loved his job, but he was a, he enjoyed his job. And then he said yeah. the knife making was like for play money. And it allowed him to make what he wanted and to have the customers that he wanted and be on his own deadlines. And he never lost the joy of the making part of it because it's like it's, he didn't depend on it, you know? Yeah. Um, I don't know if you, if you will necessarily lose the joy because I don't lose it either. And I'm self-employed since five years and made roughly about 500 knives, I think, in that time, some before. So... I mean, as a hobbyist, I would have made prob probably never 500, you know, right. as a hobbyist maker, probably 100 in my lifetime, something like that. This actually um, brings up to a point I wanted to talk about, which was, um, you know, that's the interesting thing that I, I was actually, I was thinking about this and I, and I wanted to know what you thought about it. So uh, a number of years ago, let's say three, four years ago, I get a call from a friend of mine, Josh Smith. Josh Smith now owns Montana Knife Company. Yes. He was listening to Knife Talk and he calls me up and he said, hey, oh, he sent me a message. He said, hey, do you think we could talk for a second? I just had a couple questions. And he said, he, I said, of course, yeah, absolutely. And this is before Montana Knife Company. He says, well, you know, he was, he was a lineman. He was, he was on a, in a prairie and, you know, in the middle of Montana waiting for his guys. And he's just like, I'm listening to Knife Talk. I heard you talk about your business partner. And I just wanted to talk. I wanted to know more about your relationship because I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do. And I'm thinking about, you know, the whole this thing. And I explained to him, well, I was a sculptor and I knew that I was terrible at the business end. I was good at executing and figuring out how to make stuff, but I was terrible at the business end of it all, whether or not it's dealing with taxes or dealing with accountants or dealing with lawyers or dealing with, you know, just the business end of it, marketing and all that. And yeah. I was telling him all about it. And then he says, yeah, I'm thinking about, I'm going to, I'm planning on doing this thing. I've been planning on it for a long time, planning on this Montana knife company. And I was just kind of talking to a lot of people who are doing it and stuff like that. So flash forward another a year later, he creates Montana Knife Company, picks up his, his business partner, Brandon, who is a whiz at business. And then Montana Knife Company is like this um, powerhouse. I mean, extraordinary. The growth of Montana Knife Company is amazing. And yep. it's incredible. And congratulations to him. He's my friend. He's got my number. I talked to him uh, a couple weeks ago when he was coming to the city. He's, just, he's I'm very happy for him. The funny thing is, is a lot of people use him as like this, you know, 
measuring stick in terms of success and business and like that. And I could easily, I was thought about it. I was just like, am I jealous or envious? Because Fader and I have started, you know, seven, eight years ago and I've been doing this and slow and steady and, and stuff like that. And I haven't had the monumental growth, uh, Josh has had in Montana Knife Company, and I immediately thought to myself, no, I'm not jealous. I'm not envious. I don't want to compare myself to him. I'm nothing like him. Fader Knives is nothing like him. And I started to think about the idea that I feel as though there's a lot of young makers who start out and they're comparing themselves to other people. And yep. what I came to the conclusion was, was when I think about the work I've done a year ago or two years ago or three years ago, four years ago, whatever, I'm so much better now. Slow and steady wins the race. I'm better. The longer it takes, the better I get. And I just, and it makes me, it makes me think that guys like you, especially you just said, you know, I've been doing it for five years. I made 500 knives. I would never have been able to put the reps in to do 500 knives if I was doing it as a hobby. Everything takes a long time. And if you get sad about it, you have to understand the more you do it, the better you get. Yeah, you know, yeah, hundred percent. I mean, that's <laughs> but that ties in into another question because I often uh, question myself um, regarding the pricing. I mean, once again, but I'm thinking the quality of the work is so much better now, and that's just a fact. I mean, I know my old work, and I, right. I occasionally uh, handle it, and then I see it, but. And it's always small steps. I mean, in every patch, you make uh, a small improvement. You know this. We talked about this a lot. Um, yeah. And you make a small improvement. And of course, you don't charge for it. But it adds up. It adds up in time. Oftentimes, sometimes it's just equal and the quality just enhances. But at least with me, it's true. It sometimes, um, you know, uh, lengthens the, the time uh, I, I, I have to take for one of the knives to finish. And then I I end up, you know, it accumulates and then I end up thinking about, well, <laughs> how to um, translate that into pricing. Because for the customer, oftentimes it's changes the customer can't even see. I, I right. mean, with heat treatment, for example, or small finishing details, no customer would ever see it. But once you change that as a maker, you can't go back. You're just uncomfortable. You could do it uh, physically, right? But you just don't want to i mean at least right. i don't want to because it's it's almost like uh the thing you did before and um have been okay with before um almost looks like a defect afterwards when you discovered a new process or a higher quality you know finish or whatever so yeah it's it's it, that, that that's really a part i'm struggling with how to yeah implement that in my pricing structure or uh, translate it into the price because price, yeah more pricing is tough yeah 100 <laughs> percent. and it's like it's a lot of it's your direction too like i remember i think about when i think about pricing i think about a lot of things and one thing i think of is is nothing to do with the knife making or or selling stuff it's there when i was at a i was a fabricator at a shop and we were doing a lot of jobs where we were on union sites and it was, we were doing the outsides of buildings and it was like a lot of cladding, a lot of, you know, it wasn't metal work as much as it was being a glazer and stuff like that. And like glazers working with glass and working with extrusions and it was very mechanical. It wasn't like the metal work you'd think. And I remember talking to my boss because we'd have to go on this job site 
and it was a union, non-union job, and we were working with a lot of union guys. And I hadn't had a lot of experience with working with union guys, and they were perfectly nice to me. It was a, um, it was a, it was a strange situation because you know usually it doesn't really work. Union guys won't work on job sites with other union guys, but mm. d- decisions were made in New York at at the same point that it, it was like it was it was either you're gonna work or you're not gonna work. Is really what it came down. To. And he would talk to me about just don't get caught up with the union guys because what a lot of these union guys do is they'll make a job a career. And when they say a job a career, they'll be like, you're going on a, you, you're, you're scheduled to go to this job site. It's supposed to take you a certain amount of time. And some of these guys drag their feet to just try to like stay on this job site as long as possible so they get paid more. Hmm. And he used the expression, don't make a job a career. And I brought that to me with the knife making and the and the sculpture, really sculpture and knife making, where I was just like looking at the price of a knife and I was thinking, this I don't have to squeeze every last dime out of someone for this knife. You know, I need to pay the bills and get moving. So I tend to when in doubt, I'm not I'm not as I don't really I try not to make a job a career. I try not to make every knife I need to get every nickel I spent on it. Cause we get a lot of messages about like, I spent all these hours on it and I spent all these hours on it. And when it comes down to it, even if you spend a million hours more or you have 20 hours more than you were supposed to, that doesn't mean you're supposed to get paid more. You know what I mean? Yeah. Although, I mean, I have to admit, I have a very different opinion about customer service than you. Go ahead. Let's hear <laughs> yeah. it. I mean, um, you just, on, on Knife Talk, I listened to the episode uh, today and, and you just mentioned that, or I mean, when, when this airs, it's a week ago, but yeah. uh, you mentioned um, that you, you know, that you, that you will take care of the customer, that customer service is so important to you that you will take care of the customer even though you know he's in the wrong. And to some extent, I, I get what you're saying. Um, I'm just so much of a bitch and, and fearful that, <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that will, um, again, uh, you know, s- snowball into um, that, you know, that uh, people will understand that about, about me and, and will uh, bother me with all kinds of stupid little right. things. And, you know, I, 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 I'm very black and white regarding those things. If the customer made a mistake, I mean, sometimes I, I do it for free if it's re- really something, some, some little things where the effort of writing an invoice is higher than repairing the knife, you know, things right. like that, that. That's no yeah, problem. Of course. But if someone, yeah, gets to me with, with, with a big repair or regrinding the complete knife, you know, refurbishing it, that that's a lot of hours and I just I just can't give the gift that away. It's just and, and I'm I'm you know what I'm I'm getting down to is I always um I'm always saying to me uh every cent I'm gifting the customer in doing that for free is a cent I'm taking out of my children's pocket. And and that's really how I you know um, I understand how I cope with it. Because just it feels bad for me too. I, I want to take care of the customer, you know? You have that feeling, you feel like a dick. But every time I, I go into myself and think, every cent I'm gifting that customer is a cent I'm taking out of the pockets of my children. And then it's a very clear issue for me. Then I'm, I'm, it's very easy for me, you know? I completely understand what you're saying. And I totally appreciate it. I think this is a good conversation because like, 
I guess for me, I agree, but I also feel as though I don't have so many people. Actually, before we got on here, I got a, we sent a new, we're, we're trying to like send as many newsletters out and trying to push us a little bit farther. I have, this is the first year we've had a lot of inventory available. And so we're, so every so often we'll send an in, uh, send something and, and every so often we'll get a message from someone saying like, uh, I had it last week or two weeks ago, I had a guy who wanted me to resharpen the knife and I said, no problem, send it in. I'll take care of you. And I, uh-huh. before we got on, I had a guy who has a history of breaking my knives Has a history <laughs> of like, he's, this is a guy who has a history of misusing and not a hundred percent taking responsibility for the things that he does. And I understand this. And he sent a message and it was very nice and, you know, very thoughtful and stuff like that. But at the same time it was, Oh, I love your knives. I got this <laughs> crack in this thing. And I'm wondering if, and I just said, send it in. I'll take care of you. And in my mind, I think Ugh, I should charge this guy. But then in my mind, I'm just like, the guy's been buying knives. He's gonna buy more knives if it's an hour or two hours, is it worth me kind of throwing myself around? And I personally would rather do it out of the, uh, do it and hopefully build more of a relationship with this guy because yep. he's already into me for like four or five knives. I know I can, you know, I know that like he's, he knows that when he calls me, I'm not going to be, you know, I'm just going to take care of it and not make a big production. No, man. About it. And, and that's the, the same flip time. Side I understand what you're saying. That's the flip well, side to it because you're, um, probably generating money out of that because you get some future sales from that guy, and and that's where it get um, where it gets, you know, not black and white like I like to see, right. but very uh, shades of grayish. Um, because I'm all gray, I'm all shades of gray. I really, really? I, oh, dude, I am a hundred percent. I'm all in the shades of gray. I don't believe I can't live black and white because it just I can't do it. I am all in the gray. Oh, it's so tough for me, man. I, I have hard. To, I always have to break it down, and then there are clear, very clear solutions for me, you know. Um, but I can't. I can't maneuver in the shades of gray. I'm. I'm yeah. very bad with that. But with in regards to in regards to this kind of customer service, if this was happening all the time, like if I was just not making knives that people liked and they were having problems with it. I'd have to reestablish. I'd have to reestablish yeah. number one what I'm doing, and number two what I what I'm supposed to be doing, and then that would be a whole different story. But you're talking about one one every other month, one little hey, could you sharpen this, or hey, could you take care of that, or hey, I broke this, or hey, I put in this to the dishwasher, or for some reason, you know, the handle's falling off. I, it's like, I mean, I it, also I don't. If I, you start to nickel and dime yourself, you can drive yourself crazy too. Yeah, and it's so stupid things too. Oftentimes, I mean, stupid. I don't want to, you know, insult the customer. But uh, yeah. for example, I've had a, I've had a guy write me. He bought a knife second hand, and most likely it was like third or fourth hand. Right. Um, it, it, it went through a few customers um, for whatever reason. I don't know. Um, but he asked me about, you know, refurbishing it and and thinning it, and that means. You get the package. You have to, you know, you have to open it up. Um, this, this, disassemble the whole knife because I'm taking the handle down when I'm thinning, right. thinning it, thinning it on yep. the on the um, water cooled belt grinder, uh, so the handle doesn't get stained. Um, then walking it through the grids, sharpening it again, attaching the handle again. You know, you're talking it's two to deal. three hours easy. Yeah, and then and then shipping and. 
I'm I'm it's thinking if it was it my night, huh? Let's call it a day's worth of work. Yeah, it's not that it, it's not that much, but half a day, let's say, and and okay, and it gets day. you out of your regular work as well. Because yeah, right. I mean, maybe you're right with a day because it gets you out. You you have to make some space for that knife, and then I'm thinking if that was my knife, if I was the customer, I just lay it flat on the stones. If the edge is too thick for me because it went through a few customers, all of them sharpening it, the edge get thick, uh, gets thick, so um, right. it won't perform as 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 if it was when it was new right and if i was the customer i just laid flat on the stones and then i'm 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 it, it's very tough for me to justify making that for free because i'm thinking yeah. well it, if i was the customer i wouldn't even ask me and then yeah that that's yeah that that's a that's a big that's that's a taller something complete re grind of a knife that's a tall order i'm talking about like you got a crack in the handle because the guy left it. I, I made a knife for this radio guy, and he went on his Instagram. He was showing everybody. He left it in the sun. He left it in the sun mm -hmm. in the sheath. So the sun dyed part of the knife. I mean, there's like a very clear delineation between the handle of the knife and where it came out of the sheath. He must let, he left it in the sun yeah. and it for a long time, for like maybe months. And... You know, I told him, I said, send it, send it back. I'll take care of it. He didn't, he couldn't tell. He didn't know. He didn't know what I was talking about, but I was just like, I'm looking at this knife. I'm just like, I can see it on his Instagram. I'm just like, oh my God, you know, you fucking left in the sun or whatever, just bleached or something. I don't know what happened, but you know, part of me, part of me feels the same way. Like I'm not willing to redo, I'm not willing to go crazy, but something small, something you know, an hour or two here, and not, nothing special. Like this guy with the with the the cracked um, scales. I'm gonna take a look at it, and I'm prepared to just fix it if you know, either repair it or you know, I'll give him new scales. Yeah. And just because he's been a good customer of mine, and sometimes I'll get a lot more. I'll get a lot more. I, the funny thing is, in the custom game, in the custom anything game. When you give good customer service that they're not prepared for, especially them knowing you're a one-man shop, it goes a lot farther than you think. You yeah, know? yeah, and that's true. And I, I will say for good customers, I'm I'm not asking questions either. Right. I'm kind of hypocritical in that. But if a guy writes me who isn't actually my customer but bought, bought a knife secondhand, it's super tough for me. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I'm having customers who bought seven knives of mine, and that's that's quite some money. Um, if they encounter a problem, I've done that. No, no th th then the Jeff Fader, the fates, no questions asked policy applies for me too. <laughs> but there's also, there's also like having to decipher people's intentions are hard too, because a lot of times when people write you in regards to, unless they know you, when people write you with a problem, sometimes they're, um, trying to write it in a way that makes it it makes the onus on you to be compelled to fix it as opposed to hey i'm noticing this thing do you think you could take a look at it as opposed <laughs> to i've had this knife for a long time and it's got this 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 and you're just and they're just like looking for a fight you have to be able to also decipher how it you know read between the lines and read what they're what their intentions are and what they're trying to get across. And you have to try to also kind of quell a potential fire because what you don't want is you, what you don't want is 
you don't want it to turn into a problem. And the problem is usually just a misunderstanding. No, I'm with, you, like, I'm with you that you don't want to uh, let it turn into a problem, but I'm very black and white with that too. I'm, I'm taking what you. you're writing me for face value and I'm playing dumb. And I'm, I mean, I'm doing that to the extent that I, you know, I do that even with my wife because I'm, I'm, I'm not here to, you know, guess things. Just talk to me. Tell right. me what you want, and we'll deal with it according to what you're saying to me. But I'm not playing guessing games. And I do that with my customers, too. If you write me a kind email and pretend like you just said, uh, like, um, it wasn't a big deal, or if you're searching for a fight, I'm answering face value. And if that email is nice and just a stupid question like, could you look at it? I will look at it. Um, it's it's just for me. I'm 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 not for those kind of games at all. It's so. <laughs> but this is also this is this type of dealing with as a creative person. You're very creative. You're you're extraordinarily talented craftsman and creative person and executing what you're doing. This is where you're. This is where people shine at. Like I can make and it can be anything. It could be making spoons. It could be making you know whatever you are excelling in this one part but you have to be able to navigate other things that are out of your expertise yeah. and the funny thing is is and i'll say this this is this is a total this is a hot take total shot across the bow and i'm <laughs> saying this to all you knife makers out there never take business advice from anyone who says books are closed in their in their instagram page <laughs> don't do it don't take business advice from anyone who has books are closed in their Instagram page. That is one of the worst business things I can think of in terms of someone who is understands how to grow in a business. And I, Ben, I don't know if you have, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. And I don't know if, I don't know if that's, if you have that in your Instagram. So I apologize. No, no, no. I never, I never critically thought about it, but I never, I never wrote it in my Instagram bio either. But when someone asks me about um, available knives or available work or whatever, I, first of all, uh, draw them into my newsletter. That's the first thing I'm doing. But that's, I'm see, that's good. In. Yeah, that's You're very not saying good. No. I mean, You're not those saying are mine no right out of the bat. I, I owe them. <laughs> right. Um, and and second of all, if I know something is available, I might uh, refer them to my retailers. Um, but other than that, um, or I'm I'm telling them, you know, um, yeah, I'm telling them I, I don't take orders, but get into my newsletter and once slots open, then you will hear about it from my newsletter, you know. That is see, that's smart. And the reason why it's smart is because you're not saying no. Yeah. You're not, when you write books are closed, I've known for years, for 10 years I saw people say, oh, my books are closed. My books are, what are the books? Tell me about these fucking books. What are your books? What kind of book are you talking about? Is this a phone book? Is this like some <laughs> sort of ledger, like from like from from uh, whatever? Uh, what are the Christmas Christmas tales of uh, the twelfth night of whatever that Christmas thing? And Ebenezer Scrooge is opening up his book. What are these fucking giant books you're talking about? People say books are closed, and it's meant to make people think that you're in high demand yeah, and you don't flex. have anything. But it's a total flex. But what it's telling people is, I don't want your business. I'm not interested in your business is what it's telling you. So anybody who gives you business advice with um, books are closed in their IG, don't take it. 
they don't understand. They don't understand how to grow. They don't understand how to say. They don't know how to say. All right, how, how are we? How is this company going to keep going? See, the thing is, is about you, Ben, and and you and I are different in the sense of like I feel as though my direction and Fader Knives is to be more of a business. My dad was a small business owner. My sisters are small business owners. We want to have a. She, my sister, had a bookstore. My dad was a winemaker, and he made very approachable wine and he felt very strongly about if you like it it's good wine if you don't like it it's not good wine he was yeah. very plain and i feel there's a very similar a big similarity in terms of our direction in terms of this business and i've kind of taken away a lot of the art of it and really try to push it as a business in terms of i want to grow every year we have to have a degree of of growth sales growth every year for me to be satisfied we have goals every year that we try to meet there's a lot of people, and 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 what you do is is you what you do is you have the discipline in order to make the work, and then you figured out a way to make sure that when you do these newsletters, you have something in place for there to be growth for not only for you but also for your customer base. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of it's it's a little different, but what was always important for me is to have high demand, and so far right. I've accomplished that. And that ties into what you said about books are closed. As soon as I'm reading that as a customer, I'm moving along. Whereas I'm not even when, gonna look. You're not even gonna look. No, right? no, no. Books ask. are closed. Why would I look? Um, whereas if I read, you know, sign up for my newsletter then I'm signing up um, if there is a chance to get available knives or get, get a custom slot at some point, you know, because I'm, I'm, I'm interested and then I'll just have to bring the patience with me. That, that's, that's the only downside uh, with my uh, business model, I guess, because it's not scalable in any ways. But I've come to terms with that. I'm staying alone. It's okay with me. But also from a customer perspective, I mean, I, I guess that might... Um, deter some impatient customers to say, "Well, I'm not putting up with that. I'm not waiting." Well, but um, that's but, okay. I mean, that's okay, though. Yeah, yeah, it's it's totally okay for me. I mean, and so far it's going good. I, I recently sold uh, through through Ape from Eating Tools my uh, most expensive knife to date. Uh, with it was a collab, and and <laughs> it, it it sold before Ape put it up on the site. Wow! So. I mean, <laughs> I couldn't be happier with, with with the with the business side of things. Um, I mean, you know, it, it it could always go better, I guess, but it it could it could go way, way worse too. It's of course, and it's interesting because I, I I really appreciate and respect and admire you for creating this demand i don't have it like i have stuff in stock i never i never i rarely sell out like we sold out the first batch of shop knives we made we sold out and then we have some still available and you know when i don't have the demand that and, and i'm fine with it i'm not like i'm not upset about it it's just the way it is and i have to kind of like get a better understand i have to have better understanding of what we're doing the funny thing is with books are closed it's like your first someone's first impression of you is you saying no. Yeah, yeah. It's totally. crazy. It's that's, like that's bad. <laughs> the first impression they have, the first opportunity they have of seeing you and meeting you and trying to understand you is you saying no. It's crazy. And it's like these guys, everybody listens to each other. They all do the same thing. It's also similar to these guys, everyone who's flipped out when Instagram 
did this kind of algorithm kerfluffle. It was like the yeah. skies falling. Everyone was like in this just this barrel roll into this spiral and their plane was about to crash and it was this like, you know, I mean, this most insane and dramatic and crazy, <laughs> like hysteria over something that could be fixed. And then those are the same guys who are just, I mean, it's like there's a sense of entitlement with some people that I just cannot get past. I cannot get past the sense of entitlement. Yeah, it's difficult. But you know what I'm going to do? Since this airs only on Friday, <laughs> I'm going to look into my, um, you know, the knife makers I'm following, searching for the for the guys who have books have closed. And then after this episode airs, I'm I'm looking what who who of those motherfuckers are actually listening. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, that's right. That's right. You're the man. All right, guys, listen. If you if Ben's following you. And he'll know. He's already looked. I'm I mean, stalking you guys. Now, he's already looked. And if you change it, he's going to know. So now all of a sudden, you just got to put your hands up in the air. And you just got to say, I, you got me. Officer, better, you got me. Better listen hands to up, us. red-handed. <laughs> Good, man. That's, that's, why, that's why I love having you on, man. You really fucking know what to do. Yeah, that's right. As you're listening to this, know that the research has already been done. We've I've already been spying on you. And you're... You're right. It's you're out. You're 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 you're, you're red-handed. Red-handed. Don't switch it now. It's weird. You know, I, I think about entitlement all the time, and a lot of it is because you know I get every once in a while because on Knife Talk I'm the most you know I'm the one who puts myself out there a little bit more than the other two guys, and part of that's because it's radio. I got to keep you listening, and so I have to say some outrageous things every so often. Um, I do get messages of sheer entitlement that always shocks me and it might be a generational thing it might be this sense of urgency in regards to fixing your life but i find myself every so often getting a message from a person asking me a question and then i'll answer it and then the answer wasn't good enough and that one guy got mad at me i helped him with something and then he got mad that i didn't help him on something else and then he tore me up on in the DMs on Knife Talk. And then I explained on Knife Talk without even giving his name out because I didn't want to embarrass him because, you know, mental yeah. health is a real thing. And he wrote back and he told he still didn't understand. And it was this sense of impulsiveness and it was this sense of entitlement. And it's like I'm seeing this now globally with everything. And it the, the how social media has made learning this this answer you know answer give me the answer now and give me the exact answer and it's like it's exhausting frankly but you know do you I mean? think at this point it might be some trolls just fucking with you nah i don't think so i mean because uh, you know what i don't really i don't really buy into that whole thing i i, I who's I, I was talking last week to uh um to Chris Powell and we were talking because he gets a lot of trolls. on his Yeah, Instagram. I've listened to that, yeah. Oh, dude, he gets a ton of trolls and people are fucking free. And I don't necessarily believe that trolls are malicious. I believe that they're truly looking for some sort of connection. 
And I, tr- I, so I tend to I don't really get, I am true. I, th- I believe so. I think it's similar to like back in the day when, you know, the whole story of like guys, you know, who liked little, you know, little boys who liked little girls were pulling the pigtails and it was because they liked them. I think that there's something, I think that they're looking for some sort of connection more, most of the time. And I, I don't necessarily believe that it's completely malicious. Uh, some, um, some guys for sure. I don't know if it's the majority or the minority, but I know for a fact there are some guys who just get a kick out of it. I mean, I've been young and I've grown up with the internet and I was pretty much a huge dick when I was right. young on the internet. So uh, coming from the gaming scene and, and just being an asshole, right? But how old are you now? Yeah, 35. Yeah, but see, but now you have too much to do. See, that's the thing. It's like when you're in it for, as you're a kid and you're in it for the, you know, you're not worried about using social media for money or enter for, for you're not, you're, you're not starting a business. You don't have the time. You maybe you'll have the time to fuck around, and that's your thing. I understand, but like for people who are kind of like getting, you know, their lives together, yeah. I just find it so wasteful no, to be 100%. wasting your time. I don't even have time to it, comment on people's posts. It, it like I don't even negative. I don't have negatively. We have to anything. Say. I don't have fucking time to scroll. I am too busy. I don't have time. I see friends of mine who are on. Well, they're. I see, I'm, you know, at night I'll go through and I see my friends have been like this and they like that. They liked everything. And I'm just like, how do you have so much time in your day where you're able to just sit and look at the Instagram? I just, I'm too busy. Although, no, I, I will say when, or at least for me, that's true. I mean, when I'm having lunch or I make a break or something I, uh, or <laughs> laying in bed in the evening, yeah. I'm bored. I'm, I'm scrolling through and I mean... Not only do I make a point of liking the stuff I actually like just to, you know, support people because, you know, algorithm likes spread and all that. Um, but sometimes, especially with the younger guys or, or, or things where I think that's totally crazy nice, um, I give a comment oftentimes or I go through that little effort just to support the tiniest little bit just... You know, it, it helps. Every comment helps a little bit to, to um, yeah, kind of um, get the get the algorithm going in that sense, I guess. And I take it back. I do. I do the same thing. The people that I support, yeah. my <laughs> friends, I write things on their on their posts to be supportive and helpful. I've seen, and that I do do. That I do do. Yeah. See, you're a good human. Like I I'm am. human. I'm a human. <laughs> I'm a fucking. I'm a fucking. I tell you what, though, I got a couple of friends of ours who, who listen to this podcast. Who, who on one of my posts, they were they were they were giving me all sorts of unhelpful stuff. On I had to just. I just instead of fighting them on my post, I just erased their. I just erased their comments because it's just like, how can you be in business and not be helpful? How do you be difficult? So my customers are not other knife makers. My customers are. Try, I'm trying to get like housewives and guys who cook and cooks and people who are home and i'm trying to get non-knife maker people and then knife makers will write some bullshit that it's like completely like weird and super not helpful and and i I, that's another thing i can never understand it's like i will i will say i'm fucking around a little bit with other knife makers who i know you know martin huber and in stories and every time i receive a package from him he draws me a big dick somewhere or a small dick you know his size and so on um 
and then I'll share that in a story and make fun of it. I I mean, <laughs> for one, I genuinely find that funny because I'm I'm a moron. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> come on, man! I'm a moron. No, and, and generally because I'm a moron. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, no, that I will thought, not be the title of this episode. By the way, that will not be a title of this episode. I'm, I thought about it, but I'm like, nah, I can't do it to you. Go ahead. I can't do it to you. To you. <laughs> no. Ben, come on! I'm a moron. I, I don't do, know if I could do it to you, Ben. Do it. Do it. <laughs> All right. All right. Here you go. No, you go. I, I, I think. I mean, I don't. I can't. I mean, I don't like making it about me a lot. So right. not a lot of selfies and all that, but um, that that stuff I just find so compelling, and I never had any complaints about it either. So I don't know. It's it's just. But regarding the comments, um, if I know, I mean, I would never comment like that on posts of eating tools, for example. They are just way oh, too yeah. professional. Jeez. And I, I mean, regarding that, I had a comment recently on uh, one one of his pictures of one of his posts about one of my lives. Uh, it was a call-up with Joshua Prince. And right. one of the suckers wrote that is, it was um, uh, Prince's most pretentious work and but common is worse or something uh, along those lines. It was, it was a knife maker wrote that? No, it was, I mean, it was some random guy with a private profile. I don't know, but that uh -huh. was just, just... I, I don't know. That tickled me a little. There was other. Um, there have been other bad comments as well. I ignored those. Though those didn't bother me. But this one bothered me a little. And then I it came to my mind that pretentious was written wrong. Otherwise, I wouldn't have engaged. He ran pretentious with C, and I looked it up because I didn't know either. I will admit it here. He doesn't listen anyway. Well, you did your, that motherfucker. Did your due diligence. Um, <laughs> and I, I looked it up. It was written wrong. And then I wrote. Pretentious, written correctly, is what you wanted to say. You're welcome, or something like that, with a hugging smiley, you know. And then he gave me the rundown of his dyslexia and and blah blah blah, as if I could have known. And I thought, what a victim! I mean, what a, what what a stupid idiot! <laughs> you know what? That reminds me of a. Uh, this is a story I wanted to tell. And it happened to me, and it's the probably the main reason why I don't I don't attack people online. It, that that particular brought up a story. I never go after people online. Number one is I cannot I cannot handle the I cannot handle the the anticipation of, of what the response is. It yeah. just I get too tense. I can't do it. It's just too much too yeah. much for me. <laughs> but when I was younger, I had a I had. Um, I was on the school bus. I must have been in third. I was in the fourth grade or something like that. I was probably like uh, 12 or something. And these three boys who were a little bit older than me got on the bus. This is the sub. This is the public bus. This was not the school bus. Yeah. And these they wanted to break my balls, and they just started ripping me on the bus. I'm on the Lexington Avenue bus. I got like probably 15 to 20 more blocks to go. And they're surrounding me, and they're just making fun of me. They're making fun of my mother. They're making fun of everything. They're just, and I'm not, I was never a good put-down artist. I was never good at put, putting, and the fact remains is when I was younger, I had a terrible stutter, and my dad would, exp, when I would try to kind of defend myself, I started stuttering, and then he would go, and it would make everything worse. So I was never a, I was never good at face-to-face -face on the spot, ball breaking or you know insult return or anything like that 
So these guys are tearing me up for blocks, and I'm just like, I can't, I'm never going to, whatever I say, they're going to just, you know, reverse it on me. I just, and I look, and I'm just like, oh, God, I got another 10 blocks to go. And this one guy starts, he, he was quiet the whole time, and he starts going at me, but he's got a stutter. He's got a terrible stutter, and he's just trying to, like, insult me. And I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do an impression of it, but he was like he was trying to get it out, and he was stuttering and stammering and bad. And I I had taken it on the chin on this bus ride for like ten minutes. <laughs> ten minutes. I'm just getting fucking roasted in front of other New Yorkers, other people, like regular people. I'm getting roasted. Yikes. And I turned to him. And I'm like, hey man, listen, I'm getting off in ten blocks. Can you get it out? Can you get it out? I got 10 blocks to go. You got 10 blocks to blast me. Get it out. Spit it out, my my man. You got 10 blocks to go. And they, they thought it was funny because it was just like, I, I'm going to take it, but I don't have to take it for 10 blocks. You know, it's like, so I just like, I just like let them out. And, and my whole defense was, is like, okay, I got you. My brother, you're going to have to speed it up because I'll take it on the chin, but I, I'm not going to sit here and like wait for it. You know? <laughs> Next thing you know, I get off the bus and I'm actually feeling good because he, it made him stutter even worse. I didn't like that. But at the same time, I had to defend myself or something. Oh, you I didn't make fun of his moment. stutter. All I said was, is just like my brother, you, you got to help. I got 10 blocks. You get it out. You got 10 blocks to go. Just, I believe in you. Something like that. The next day, I get hauled into the principal's office and the principal says, we've been working. Have you, were you on the 101 bus yesterday afternoon? I was like, yes, I was. Were these boys on that bus with you? Yes, they were. Did you make fun of this kid's stutter? I said, what? He's Mm -hmm. like, I got a call from this kid's mother. We've been working with this kid for years on his terrible stutter he is we you've put him back he went home after you made fun of his stutter he was so upset he's not coming into school today and i was just like wait a second wait a second wait a second and they're fucking lighting me up we work with this kid after school every day and we've been trying to get his confidence up and here you are destroying him (laughs) and i said i said he was they were making fun of me on the bus and like what i'm like get the other two guys they grabbed the other two guys in. I told my story. I'm like, I'm sitting here. These guys are kicking my teeth in. And yeah. the dude, you're, you're, this is your sad kid. He's trying to get me too. What am I supposed to do is three against one. And and then they brought the two kids in. And the, the, I give the leader, the leader of the kids a lot of credit. He goes, he goes, yeah, yeah, he was, he was, he was giving it to Jeff and we were giving it to him for like, you know, 15, 20 blocks. <laughs> he had to say something. He had to say, and they were like, the guy was like, yeah, Jeff, you know, Jeff, uh, Jeff was just defending himself, frankly. And the guy stood up for me and then, but the crazy part is, is like, that was the, it's very similar to what, and it made me just be very, you know, I don't like to go after people because it's like, that was, that story was like pivotal because I was just like, I felt terrible. I mean, the guy was so upset he couldn't come into school the next day because I destroyed his self-esteem. Yeah. <laughs> Although, I mean, <laughs> he brought it That's up a on good himself. One. Come on, man. I That's mean... a good one. <laughs> That was a good one. I'll just never forget the best thing I had was, I got 10 blocks, man. You got to get it out. <laughs> but they played fair. I mean, that the other guy defended you uh, they, in he, the end? He admitted, he says, we were all on the bus. We were killing Jeff. 
And this other guy, he started in, and Jeff had a, you know, saw an opening and he went for it. <laughs> he had to defend himself too, you know. So Perfect. it was it was a crazy, crazy situation. But it totally reminds me of your whole story because it's like that's what happens. People don't want to take responsibility for their actions at all. Yeah, and, and it's as if. Go ahead. No, it, it was it was really just me seeing that opening, and it it was so nice because I mean I, I told you I'm taking things for face value and taking my sentence for face uh, face value. It was just very nicely correcting him. I, I said, uh, "You mean pre pretentious is what you're trying to say," and the hugging uh, emoji, you know. So um, yeah, I was I was very subtly fucking with him, humiliating but. him. It's great. No, I mean. But the hard that's that's the but the funny thing is is like the funny thing is is um he he wasn't a he wasn't he wasn't able to say yeah you got me he had to say oh you're making fun of me because I have dyslexia yeah it's and, just like and and, and shithead <laughs> I mean come on man as if I could have known that was the yeah. I I even um. Uh, comprehended saying something like yeah and i have played uh smith dyslexia or something like that yeah. um Dude, pretending you, you know said, i speak a different language yeah <laughs> this is not my I'm, first language my brother that that's the other thing i mean <laughs> <laughs> uh, i i find i find myself like i had this this the, i was talking earlier about this guy who was mad at me and i i don't fight online for free like my whole point is like If I'm gonna get you, I'm gonna get you where I'm getting paid. So I got I got time to burn. So I like I'll it. always like it's the move, man. I, I, if if I have to have conflict, I'm gonna get paid for it. Like I am not I'm not doing it shit for free. I'm not doing it private too. I'm not doing it private. I'm not doing it for free, and I'm not entertaining some sort of weird relationship. Well, that's the smart I'm move. Bring it here. I'm gonna bring it to knife talk, and I'm gonna let you. Have, I'll I'll make you anonymous, but I'm gonna let you have it. And I let this dude have it. I was also very aware that I had this feeling that he's, he seems impulsive. Like when you read the things that he writes and you read his explanations, it seems like there's a lot of people who are very impulsive. And I made the point of not only just explaining that I don't want your mental health to be ruined. I understand. It's all good. Let's you hear the ground rules. And I just like I, I playfully beat him up. It wasn't the worst you know, throttling I've ever given. And he wrote back and he was like, he agreed that I had helped him and I thanked him, but it wasn't enough. Like he just, there was this inability to take responsibility for your actions and your motives. <laughs> and it was like, I feel as though that there are a lot of people who are incapable of seeing something that they're going to do And think about the ramifications of what they're going to do and say, maybe I should just back off. You know, maybe let's let's weigh the options of all the things that could happen when I do this. And then you say to yourself, am I willing to go to these levels that may be uncomfortable for me? And like, here's an example. I think that I... I been getting tattooed for 30 years more than 30 years i love getting i've wanted to get tattooed when i was a kid <laughs> when i was a child i wanted to get tattooed okay i used to get fake tattoos when i was very young i love tattoos i always wanted to get tattoos 
But at the same time, I made some conscious decisions in regards to how far I'm going to go. Like, I know I don't go. And my kid, too. Like, I've, you know, she's gotten a couple tattoos. I'm sure she'll get more. We have a very good, you know, open understanding of where we're going. And I kind of, we have some guidelines and stuff. My opinion has always been if you want to get a tattoo, Figure it out and then think about it. And in six months, if you still want it, then and then you make the decision whether you're going to get it. You got to like, hmm. there has to be some kind of decisions. Yeah, that's and a good approach. I remember, pardon me? That's a good approach. Well, I mean, it's like if you really want it still after six months, then, then now you can talk. But if yeah. you just get impulsive. So um, I remember probably about, I'd say 15 years ago, I was talking to my guy and he was he was telling me that they don't do face tattoos. He was telling me that they don't do face and I, I he says I don't do face tattoos and the reason why I don't do face tattoos is there is a correlation. This was a scientific correlation between people who have face tattoos and suicide. Okay. And there was this uh, for a long time there's a lot of people who just won't do certain tattoos and a lot of it is because the rent like, like racist stuff or questionable yeah, things or face tattoos were face tattoos were a big no-no for a lot of people and then something started to happen where it became more approachable i think mike tyson kind of ushered it in as that was shocking when mike tyson got his face tattoo that, that was, tattoo is so bad <laughs> that, it was so shocking and he it was so shocking it was just like friends of mine were like he ain't gonna love you ain't gonna live another four years he gonna kill himself uh -huh. and there was such a correlation behind face tattoos and suicide and then all of a sudden something started to happen and now face tattoos are so prevalent among younger people and i i can't help thinking about it. i talked to my tattoo friend we're the old guys now he's in his 50s i'm now 50 and he we talk about it and he's just like i don't know man i don't know but there's this sense of this impulsiveness without the understanding of your of your of what's going to happen if you have tattoos on your face people are going to judge you to a certain degree yeah. and that's just the way it is however it no you no longer have the ability to say you're not allowed to judge me you if you're putting something on your face and somebody's just like whoa that's a fucking strong move that's just that's what you're gonna get that's that i mean that's that's society I find stuff like that, statistics and all that, uh, super interesting. Just um, with the um, statistics proving that um, those guys suffer from having more suicides amongst them, and uh, I don't know, being impulsive and all that. What what entails that? So yeah. <laughs> well, but it's the the real thing is 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 the is it's it's you start to copy other people. But there's this no, there's in a sense of like understanding of the ramifications of your decisions. Like if you have a, I I knew a guy. I knew this is a crazy story too. I knew a guy who was married to this woman that I worked with, and all of a sudden she came to the shop and she was very upset. And we're like, "What's the matter?" And he goes, "My boyfriend got a face tattoo, or my husband. I'm sure they were married." And he comes in one day and he got the Mike Tyson tattoo on his face. <laughs> and we were all like, whoa, what the fuck? And he was like, yeah, you know, this." he was a big bodybuilder and he had a lot of tattoos. And he was just like, this, this co-worker said that I, I, would, I was too afraid to do it, so I decided to do it. 
Well, they were like, what? You don't talk to your wife? You just, like, go out and get the Mike Tyson? You don't even get an original one? You get the fucking same one, the Mike Tyson one? And we were <sighs> like, whoa, that is a, such a strong move. And the crazier part was two weeks later he came in. He got the exact same one on the other side of his face. So he had two Mike Tyson tattoos on either side of his face, like big ones around his eyes. And we're like looking at him like, you're fucking crazy. And we're just like, this guy's going to kill himself. And it, and, but it was just like he and he said he told us he did it. He felt really good about it. He, he did it because he kind of did it out of spite. And, I'm, and all I could think of is, yo. I do a lot of things out of spite, but I'm not going to like go into a supermarket and get s stared at by kids because I'm s terrifying. Like, I, I don't, yeah. I don't understand people there. There's a, especially now there's a, there's an entitlement to be accepted for your impulsive nature. And it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. No, I mean, Fuck that! I mean, why would I? <laughs> now, why, why would I expect uh, accept you? I mean, uh, get out of my way! I'm. Uh, you can't demand that from someone else. I mean, I'm not demanding to be accept accepted either. You're not. You're not either. I mean, hey. from foreign people or from people you don't know. How how it comes? But there's there's certain limits. I think that there's. I but basically, and I'm not trying to get into anything other regards to who can judge who or whatever. But there is this level of, I understand where you're coming from, but you're not allowed to judge me for my actions. And that always is, but in this, in the maker community, the knife making community is different from like the woodworking community. It's different from like the crafting community and the content community. Everyone's looking for a step up. And it's the interesting thing is the question of how they get there and why aren't I doing as well as the next guy? You know, why am I, why is this guy successful and I'm not? I'm doing the same thing he's doing. I should be just as successful as I am. I deserve this or Instagram is suppressing me and I don't understand it. And there's so many things that I just can't understand. And it might, I might be just be me being an old guy and me. <laughs> yeah, that's it. I mean, that's it. Maybe I'm, I'm, I mean, out, you're of, 50 I'm, <laughs> I'm out of touch. I'm out, I'm out of touch and, 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 um, I'm out of touch. No, I I mean I don't know. I think I I just I mean I'm I'm just judging people for what um um what what I would expect someone to judge me for and I I I wouldn't I wouldn't expect anyone to accept me like or 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 I'm I'm not entitled to so no I'm I'm how do you say it um projecting like projecting, my yeah. behavior on others I guess. So, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't expect that from other people or other people that they have the right to demand acceptance or anything like that. I, I don't even know what that means because do you ask for acceptance or how, how, how does that look? I, I don't, I don't quite. There's, there's new wording now. Oh, we don't have to get into it, but there, there's some <laughs> wording now like people. The, the the word tolerant being tolerant is now becoming an, a word that people it's it's there's a lot of like negative spin on tolerant as in as if you you know you you it's not it's not you accept the person but you're you when you're when you tolerate something it's mean like i'll 
tolerate this and you're at the you know you're at the uh better half of my judgment i don't know what the fuck it is no but but that's a different thing i mean I yeah think I if i see someone right. with face tattoos i won't judge him right uh, despite me liking it or not if that that's out of the question i mean if that's the question then i'm very tolerant i won't get in anyone's face about it i'm not not caring about that but acceptance somehow implies that you're coming to me asking for acceptance and that's just not how it works in my mind I'll tell you an interesting story. When I was at the Center for Mental Arts last, um, they had a sculptor there, a blacksmith sculptor, and his name was Pete Matilla. And yeah, Pete yeah, Matilla is incredibly talented. The guy is fucking yeah. talented. Yeah. And when I met him, when he introduced himself to me, he had on black jeans, he had a black vest on, he had a black jacket on, he had a black fedora on. And he had tattoos all over his face. He had like lines. I'd never seen anything like it. He had these lines that would go across his ear and the, and then it would go into his face and then it would bend down. And they were like, it was like line drawings, but around his whole head. And I, uh, for, as soon as I saw him, I, I, all I could think of is that as an extreme situation. That's an extreme thing to do. <laughs> but I knew who he was by the work that he did. I was like, all right, well, you know, that's it. It's not, none of my business. He, it's his, that's his, that's for him. But I mean, no. it was like, it, when I first met him, it was shocking because it was just like he, I mean, he had tattoos all over his face. And I was, and I was just like, and part of me was just like, what kind of person does something like that? But then all of a sudden, as we spoke, as we talked, as we met, as we kind of like had art conversations and this and that and the other thing, and all of a sudden it was just like any preconceived notion I had went away because it was just like, I was accepting him for the things that he was saying and the conversations that we were having. So yeah. If that's if that's meant by acceptance, then I'm very accepting too. I mean, I won't. Yeah. You can you can do whatever as long as you don't get into my face about it in the sense of asking me if that's cooler or something about it. If right. you ask me, then I might tell you my honest opinion, and you might not like it. But as long as we have a conversation, and you can, I mean, for all I care, as long as you don't bother me in any kind of sense as, as long as you don't get into my sphere i mean i might get bothered if you shit my shit your pants next to me that's that's yeah, something well, that's, i'm very yeah, intolerant about that would be uh, yeah for that's example. fair that's you could judge someone on that okay yeah but the whole the whole pete matilla thing was he wasn't looking for acceptance he wasn't looking for my he didn't need my he wasn't asking me for my opinion yeah, nor yeah. was i nor what he wasn't he didn't give a shit i he could care he could give a shit what I thought yeah. about him or anything like that. And we created a relationship based on our conf talking and our conversations and then the things that we were getting together. And, and it was, it was, uh, it was, but he, it was different because he wasn't just like, you know, some fucking, you know, kid who decided to put like sleepy under his eyelid or something like that. It's just like, he was, he was who he is and that's just the way it is. And it that's was very, yeah, that, that, that's a healthy approach about it. I mean, yeah. if someone looks like that and then constantly looks for approval, that's unhealthy. Yeah, in my he, eyes. Didn't give a he didn't give a fuck. Yeah, I, that's, I would that's think that's that right he's point. probably. I would think that he's also probably used to people thinking that he's pretty wild. You know, you're yeah. in rural Pennsylvania. He's from Tasmania or something like that. He's got this crazy accent, and he looks like he he looks like <laughs> a villain in a you know in a in a movie. He <laughs> looks, but he's a sweet guy, funny guy, smart guy, incredibly intelligent. He's got an eye like you wouldn't believe, 
And uh, it was a very interesting situation. It was a very interesting conversation. And it was like the, it was like the, um, it was, he was the antidote to the, to what your preconceived notion on people who have face tattoos would be. Yeah. Did you have, did you have um, some sort of topic you wanted to talk about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wanted to talk to you about the reels because I recently oh, yeah. heard from a friend that apparently German lawyers go ahead and sue people for using for businesses or people who make uh, money through Instagram, you know, advertising in any way uh, or any, 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 any kind um, uh, that they are going ahead and sue people who have reels with uh, licensed songs in them. And who's, I was who's kind doing of, the suing uh, some random German lawyers or, huh. or, or lawyers in, you know who are oh, okay uh, behind the the music firms or however you want to music companies the you know what so I'm saying the, yeah so they're so lawyers are suing companies who are using reels with music behind them yeah companies like me or you or me yeah <laughs> yeah huh. that's the thing and I heard from a friend he uh, she told me and uh, up to twenty five thousand euros <laughs> and that's that's when I deleted all my reels I archived them but I kind of deleted them I took them out because I was thinking I was looking into that matter I, I couldn't I couldn't believe it at first because I was thinking um, if Instagram provides me with the songs they have to have the license for that and that's kind of true but um, they are only granting you the license for private people so uh, on your private account, if you're walking with your dogs or driving around the uh, skateboard with your daughter, and you're putting some music in, that's in that's okay. Um, but if you advertise your knives or show anything that can be seen as advertising um, to buy stuff and so on, um, that's that's very prohibited. And I thought I have to bring it bring it up because, I mean, I'm assuming. The same as I didn't know, many people don't know that. <laughs> Number one, if Mick Jagger's lawyers are listening, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I, it doesn't surprise me. Now, here's what ha happened. When I first had a business account, I couldn't use, and like, like Tomer, can't use like normal music. So you're stuck with the non-licensing stuff. That's the reason why, actually. Right. And I sh I changed Fader Knives to personal so I could be ex I could have the the music. Yeah. This is the first time hearing of it, and my immediate thought is, I would imagine we would get a warning. Nope. Uh, like a, <laughs> I would imagine I would get a cease and desist. I would imagine I would get a cease and desist. Um, and I, and yeah, I mean, is, I'm not doing like, I'm not doing a million. I'm not doing millions of views. No, no, it might be true for uh, U.S. laws, but I've heard. I mean, f the friend uh, that told me has, I don't know, one thousand, two thousand followers, and she uh, had that happening to a friend of hers, and th that actually happened. They sent um, the yeah kind of cease of and desist uh, letter in, but with a fine already. It wasn't mm. twenty five thousand euros to fine, you know. It was lower, but it was still a, an amount. I don't know what she said. Uh, it was a lot, way too much that I'm considering paying it for stupid reels. Um, See, I, and, I don't and, think yeah, I'm, go ahead. 
No, no, I, I just thought I'd bring the topic up. Um, I, I thought, better inform yourself. I went on, because I didn't believe her either. I thought, yeah, well, I mean, Instagram provides me with the songs. It has to be okay. And then I read into that stuff. And seems like in Germany, lawyers are exploiting that those laws right now. Maybe it's easier in the European Union. Uh, but I thought I'm, I, I'll make people aware of that, that that's a, a kind of a problem if you're a company. Hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it doesn't surprise me. Um, I would imagine that there would be, I would imagine that there'd be a cease and desist at some point, like in the United States, you don't normally get sued right out of that. Can that unless, be coupled with a fine? No, you wouldn't get a fine because it, it would be a civil, a civil, you don't get, you don't get fines for a, something civil. I can imagine there would be a, a, I mean, I'm not a lawyer, but I would just imagine that you usually get like a, a warning. And then if you don't, if you don't, uh, heed the warning, then you get, uh, sued. So that I would imagine I, I'm going to hold, I'm going to keep it in my mind and <laughs> I'm going to think about it. And none of my reels have gone viral yet. So I'm not too worried about it this minute, but it'll it'll be something that I'll be thinking about in the future. That's for sure. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know uh, how the um, American law works in that, but yeah, usually I, I mean, you get a warning. Usually you'll get a warning, especially. I mean, if the Rolling Stones want to sue, I mean, they're probably suing people with fake. You know, the the, the people that they're suing are non-licensed. Um, non-licensed shirts companies and stuff yeah, like that. yeah yeah for sure so no, i would but... think that like a, the technicality i would think that the technicality would be in i mean in in europe of, you, like a warning you in europe you'd get a warning too usually um as if um in in the sense that they are serious about you stopping doing that you know But uh, as I understood it and as I read it on the internet afterwards, so she told me, but then I confirmed it with re reading several sources, um, they are kind of exploiting the system in that because so right. many people just do it. And I have a lawyer as a friend too. I didn't talk to him about that uh, yet, but he told me in an, in a, in a, uh, um, um, in another topic that it's perfectly legal, at least in Austria, to directly sue without any warning. I mean, that's that's just legally spoken, no problem. But mm. I don't know U.S. law. But I'm just saying, maybe maybe just look it up if you're if you're having a lot of reels with music in it, and you're yeah. a company, maybe just just look into that. I I took the reels down; they're just not worth it for me. I mean, I I don't I don't I don't play around <laughs> with with those kind of things and and those amounts of money. I mean, twenty five thousand euros. That's That's just, I mean, that's that's insane for for a, for a few songs. I mean, yeah. How? Huh? That's interesting because I, I guess I, I would think about. I get. I'm going to think about it and I'll look into it for sure. I mean, that's definitely something that and and you know it makes sense. You know, I I I, ha, I know of like Food Network people and all of a sudden it, the weird part is is like I don't know if you do TikTok at all. No, <laughs> I fucking hate it. I hate it. I'm so I'm so resent the fact that I'm on it. And I'm just because I'm just I'm doing it because I really feel as though I gotta you know if I'm gonna do one I gotta do the other and do you do they, what they do is they'll only give you a minute of a song 
And I feel as though they're trying to not have to pay licensing because, you know, the licensing with the songs on reels goes to Spotify. I think, you know, Spotify is it's through Spotify and then they end up getting paid like people's reels get used and then their music can get, they get paid. But, but TikTok, they just fucking rip a minute. And if your video is longer than a minute, the fucking song stops because they're just like, I'm, I'm, we're not paying it for this. So I wonder if there's any sort of, uh, yeah, I don't know yeah, enough about possibly. it, frankly. I, I don't know either. <laughs> oh, jeez. Where I'm, are you going? I, I got scared sufficiently, so I took them down. Yeah. Well, I think we're small fish. I mean, we're not, you know, I mean, ultimately we're small fish. But at the same time, it's like I would imagine they're still getting paid, though. Yeah. Like, how, if they're getting paid, they're getting paid for their licensing anyway. Then, then I don't know if they're allowed to sue us. Like, if it was, if they, you're getting paid. If if we get a lot of views and plays, they're getting paid anyway. I mean, in in the technicality of things, I think they are. Um, you're not allowed to play music on a commercial event from your Spotify account either. I mean, you're paying uh. for it, but it's for private use. So I'm I'm no lawyer either, but uh, that that somehow makes sense. I mean, you the 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 Spotify account you're paying for um, is for one person or maybe two or whatever. But once you're starting to play for 100, 200, uh, 1,000 people, then that's that's another deal for them. And similar with Reels. I mean, if they get 3,000 views or more, um, it, 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 it makes somewhat of, you know, so it makes some sense. And if you're advertising for your work, so it's, it's just for commercial use. If you're de- getting that kind of use on your private account, then that doesn't seem to be a problem for whatever reason because yeah you're selling nothing i don't be, i don't know what the argument is there this will be this will in the, in the in the next year this will be something this will definitely without question be something it'll be like when napster came out and those yeah. companies were like getting mad about it and i cannot wait to hear the bitching and the moaning from the knife making community and the lawyers There's are are really exploiting me. the law uh, in, oh, that sen- in that sense, me. not exploiting, but they are looking for guys like us. I've... Pantera, Pantera is su- suing me. <laughs> I'm getting sued by. I'm getting sued by Oingo Boingo. Oh my god! I, I try to. All I try to do is sell knives, and the Instagram suppressing me. And now I'm getting lawyers trying to sue me because I wanted to use that Rick Ashley song. No, no. Did I start the pitching in that sense? <laughs> no, 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 no. That's what. Not you didn't start it. You just you're giving everybody the the. This will be our story. Ben, come on, breaking news. That's it. That for 2024, this will be the issue that we complain about is that lawyers are making us. No, we're not allowed to use. Uh, you know, uh, name your song. I mean, I mean, <laughs> the Rolling Stones. I'm going to use them while I can. I'm a monkey man. Jumping Jack Flash, Gimme Shelter, Monkey Man. Those are my three. Those are the three <laughs> best ones. So, I mean, I'm going to use them until they tell me to stop. And then when I stop, you'll know it. I'll say something about it. That's for sure. But, man, I don't get that mindset at all. Because at the end of the day, you're advertising their music. And, I mean, Rolling Stones are big. Don't get me wrong. But there are songs I don't know. And if I'm hearing them on your reels or any reel on the internet and I'm liking it, I'm putting it in my playlist on Spotify. I'm listening to it. And those motherfuckers get paid then. Um, so I don't get the mindset of 
suing people like you who make um, free advertising for them, essentially. I'm not getting sued yet. Ben. Yo, or, yeah, yet. okay, okay. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm, I'm not, not getting sued it. yet, Ben. I'm holding out. I'm holding out. Ben, come on, ladies and gentlemen. He ain't getting sued either. You know why? He's smarter than the rest of us. Go to Instagram and follow his musicless <laughs> reels. <laughs> no music, no licensed music on his reels anymore. Uh, ben Camon, Camon Knives, K O K A M O N. My brother, it's always a pleasure. I wish you and your family. The happiest of holidays and a successful, prosperous, and healthy new year. Thanks, man. All the same to you. And yeah, <laughs> I, I wish well, you all the best, man. Does that all? All right. So I got to sign off. So you're going to say something, something Arnie would say or no? You still doing uh, that? No, this time actually not. This is it. You finally <laughs> yeah, don't have it. Every time, every time Ben's on, he always ends it with something from Arnold Schwarzenegger. And you got nothing. All right, guys. Listen, next week I have a surprise guest, and then I may take a week or two off. But otherwise, I'm with you. Go to Knife Talk Podcast. Not Knife Talk. Go to Full Blast Podcast. You can go to Knife Talk. We felt we're going to do the all beef review pretty soon, so you can get involved with that. But if you want to get involved with the Full Blast Podcast, Full Blast Podcast on Instagram. And uh, God, I'm with you guys. Ben, once again, thank you, my brother. Nothing. Uh, uh, it, it was it was it was lagging right now. I didn't listen. I didn't hear you. All right, <laughs> I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say goodbye to you again. I'm gonna Bye. say goodbye to you again. You come up with something good, guys. We're gonna see you next week. Ben, come on. Thank you so much. It's great to see you. Thanks, man. Bye. That's it. You didn't give me anything? Yeah, thanks, man. I, 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 no Arnold Schwarzenegger? Cocaine. There you go. I'm on my <laughs> All right, guys. See you later.